ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. A triple crown for the Diamonds. Australia win the treble. Netball World Champions of 2007, 2011 and now 2015. That was the last time Australia won the Netball World Cup back in 2015. While the Diamonds have traditionally owned this event, they've won six of the last eight, it has been a while. At a time where the future of the Commonwealth Games is murky, this World Cup all of a sudden takes on heightened importance. Where you could previously argue there were two pinnacles of the sport, it's increasingly looking like there might just be one. And it hasn't been a smooth year for the sport in Australia. If it was a flight, you'd say it was turbulent. Amid all that, the Diamonds head to South Africa, desperate to restore arguably the most important trophy to their cabinet. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Brittany Carter is a netball writer and commentator for ABC Sport. She's about to get on a plane, go to Africa and cover a World Cup. Brit, could you make the argument for us that with the Commonwealth Games future looking uncertain, this World Cup just became even more vital? Yeah, 100% it did because it, it could be netball's only major tournament that they have left. And it's sad to think that some of our Australian athletes, including the Diamonds, won't get a chance to defend the gold medal that they won last year in Birmingham on home soil because they've been working towards that. And if you believe the experts, they might not get a chance to defend that ever because it could be the death of the game. So you're right, this World Cup did just become that little bit more important. So it's a crucial time to win. And when things are, you know, really important, you want everything running smoothly. Would you say that the Australians have had a steady, settled time off court in recent times as they head towards this World Cup? Yeah, not exactly. I don't think they've had the ideal preparation heading in. The Super Netball competition finished a month later than the ones that were going in the UK as well as New Zealand. So not only have the Diamonds had less time in camp together with Stacey Marinkovic, their coach, to go over their plans and gel. So we finished the grand final and pretty much on the Monday after we're straight into camp. Um, So we'll do our preparation here in uh, Melbourne and then we'll uh, head over to South Africa for a little bit bit more training and then obviously straight into to the championship so it's a, a short preparation. There's also been a whole lot of industrial disputes going on in netball so the team player agreements for super netball as well as the collective player agreements and the diamonds collective player agreements for some reason they all need to be renewed at the same time which has led to a lot of chaos basically because as we know Collingwood decided not to renew their license and it meant that Super Netball was desperately trying to find a replacement for 2024 and they have found that now but on the player front there's been this dispute about pay the governing body has said look we want you to sign this long-term deal that runs three years until the end of the broadcast agreement in 2026 And as a result, we don't want to give you any sort of pay rise over those three years because we're trying to get ourselves out of a bad financial rut. But the players aren't really happy with that. And I I guess anyone right now could understand why that would be given the current climate in Australia and, you know, how tough it can be just getting by day to day at the moment. It's hard. A lot of girls have to move into state for opportunities. And how do you, especially moving to Sydney on 40,000, it's hard. Most of it just goes to rent. So, And netballers aren't paid the same way that 
a rugby league or an AFL player is in this country. They're sort of being grateful for what they've been given in the past. And certainly they're a lot further down the road than the players in, say, Liz Ellis's day who weren't getting paid nearly as much as they do now. The top players probably can live off it and make a good money, but it's not setting you up for, like, years after sport, if that makes sense. So mm. I feel like netball is still in that position where once you retire, you've got to get a job straight away. It's not like you can, you know, set yourself up in the last few years what you want to do and have a few years off. It's like, no, like... It's all right money now. But they're sort of just not happy with no pay rise at all across three years. That's been an issue that's sort of been murmuring along throughout this Super Netball season. And then the Diamond CPA, that was even more concerning the way that played out because basically Netball Australia held the Diamonds dress over the players' heads and tried to force them to sign a deal that they weren't happy with in terms of playing for the Australian team and basically said, we're going to hold off announcing selection and we won't tell you if you've made it or not until you sign this deal. For me as a former captain, that was a really distressing moment. I was incredibly sad for the players and their families, but I actually thought that Netball Australia overstepped the line on that one and they shouldn't have put the dress on the table. Really distressing and really disappointing to see. Eventually that was worked out and an interim agreement was put in place that will last this major tournament. And then once this is done, they'll have to go back to the drawing board and negotiate again. But it has been really chaotic behind the scenes, a lot of stress for players. And it's also led to a breakdown in trust between the governing body and the players. With this backdrop of tumult, global netball has rarely looked so strong. You know, South Africa, England, New Zealand, Jamaica, they're all considered contenders. And in a weird way, has Australia kind of strengthened the opposition by helping foster some of that talent in super netball? Absolutely, they have. So in the 2023 super netball competition, we had seven Jamaicans playing here. Back in, and it's the Jamaicans up against each other and Fowler goes to 57 at 100%. And they're all headed to the World Cup to play. And Jamaica, you know, if we think about Commonwealth Games last year, they were able to beat Australia for the first time at that major event in the preliminary stages of the competition. And then they went on to win their first ever silver medal at a Commonwealth Games too. So particularly England and Jamaica, I think, have grown immensely from being involved in the Super Netball League. And that hasn't helped the Diamonds. I mean, they do get a look in at these players' Uh, week to week, and they have a better idea of what they're coming up against, I suppose. But it also means that those players are exposed to high-performance systems they wouldn't get exposed to in their countries. So obviously Australia, the leading netball participant in the world, the systems we have here are definitely growing other players and therefore other national teams. The only team we don't really have a look in through Super Netball are the Kiwis. And historically, they have been our biggest competitor. Every World Cup has either gone to Australia or New Zealand. So heading into the tournament, we're getting major deja vu vibes of 2019, really. New Zealand have been very quiet and that's not a good thing. When they like to fly under the radar, it means that we have no idea what's going on over there. And their competition finished up a lot earlier domestically than ours did. So they've actually had three camps in the lead into Nepal World Cup and we've been lucky to squeeze in one. We've sort of shot ourselves in the foot a little bit by going away from the Trans-Tasman competition we used to have because we used to get a look in at New Zealand every week and now we have no idea what they're doing over there. So the Super Netball League is definitely the best competition in the world. It has huge global 
interest and has done so much for netball. But in a way, the Diamonds have suffered a little bit in growing the world game. I'm really interested in the career arc of Stacey Marinkovic because it feels like all professional sport is cyclical. And if we think about this tournament and what it means for Stacey Marinkovic, just how significant is it for her? It's pretty significant given that she's been able to help us win back the Commonwealth Games gold. We've been able to take back the Constellation Cup. She's done a great job at turning this team around after huge losses in the Commonwealth Games in 2018 to England, as well as losing that 2019 Netball World Cup to New Zealand. So it does feel like a brand new era under her leadership. And this is sort of the last thing that they've been after and that they've been working towards for the last three to four years. And the reality is there's not many teams that have held a Commonwealth Games and a World Cup title at the same time. I think there's only two Australian teams that have ever done it. So it just shows how hard it actually is. So it's huge. The great thing for Stacey is, unusually, we've seen her contract renewed right until the end of 2027. So usually we wouldn't see that contract be renewed until after the World Cup and we see how the team performs under that coach. But Nepal Australia has put faith in Stacey Marinkovic and now we won't only see her lead the Diamonds at this World Cup but also at the Sydney 2027 World Cup here in Australia. You know, she's sorted either way and that's good to see that she's been cemented in place because I honestly don't know who they would pick if it wasn't her at this stage. She's done such a good job. But in terms of going here to win this one in South Africa, if the Diamonds don't win this one, it would be seen as a failure. Let's get into how it might be won or lost. Who looms as the key on court for the Diamonds? It sounds really uh, cliche, but I don't feel like there's one player that will decide it for the Diamonds this time around. I think last year when we were leading into the Commonwealth Games, Gretel Boweta, certainly in goal attack, was our dominant player, the one to watch. Oh, great job, Gretel Boweta. Steph Wood took the sweep around the circle edge. Boweta hit across the baseline. And this time around, it feels like it's more of a champion team rather than a team of champions like, say, a Jamaica or Roses in England, for example. What will be key for us is how that shooting circle plays out because there is only one player out of the four picked to take the court that has played in a World Cup before. So there's a lot of inexperience in that team. They also decided to go with the bold pick of Sophie Garbin, who has had a pretty lacklustre season with Collingwood. She hasn't been playing her best netball the last couple of years. Garbin for two. Comes up short. Pretorius steals it out of the air. But has performed in a diamonds dress late last year in the Constellation Cup. So they've backed her with some loyalty there. But how that's going to play out in 2023 after another lacklustre season with Collingwood where they finish towards the bottom of the ladder is a big question. So all eyes will be on that shooting circle, but certainly I think they're going to have to work as a full team to get through and try and win that World Cup. Can't wait to get across it all. Enjoy Africa. We sh- we sure are looking forward to your coverage. Cheers, Britt. Thanks so much. Headlines. The Matilda's injury headaches are beginning to resemble a migraine. Mary Fowler and Ivy Lewick have been ruled out through concussion for the clash with Nigeria after separate training incidents. We played an intense tempo, tempo game in training and unfortunately we had a couple of head knocks and it's up to the medical team to decide whether a player is available or not. And the concussion protocol made him unavailable for this game and 
the one thing that this team have shown in the past is that they're really adaptable to change. Now we know who's available and, you know, we deal with it. The loss of Fowler is particularly problematic for the Tillies, who see the teenager joining strikers Sam Kerr and Kaya Simon on the sidelines. And it raises the question of where the attacking spark might come from. It feels as though Caitlin Ford will be carrying a heavy load going forward for the Australians. Basketball. And LeBron James' eldest son, Bronny, has suffered a cardiac arrest while practising for the University of Southern California. The 18-year-old is in a stable condition, happily, but pretty scary stuff for a young athlete. LeBron has been vocal about his desire to play a season in the NBA with his son. And David Warner has rubbished suggestions he might retire at the end of this Ashes series. He's the opener on the recent speculation. You know, I I've, I've, have given the, the fact that I won't play the West Indies, but if I still think I'm eligible to keep playing and seeing the ball well, who knows? I'm playing the 2024 World Cup, and I've always said, you know, to, to be your best for white ball international cricket, you still have to be facing some form of red cricket ball. Maybe I might play shield cricket. I'm not sure. He did go on to clarify and say that he expects to retire after the Sydney Test this coming summer if he continues to be selected. For now, we're all looking ahead to the Oval. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Fox Sports, the Netball World Cup, Sky Sports New Zealand, Optus Sport and the Back Chat Pod for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.